Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gian Whitberg, with my fantabulous co-host, Maria Velasquez, who definitely needs an afternoon coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. We all here need a pick-me-up, and especially our guest, Josh Weigenbaum, who is the marketing manager at Centra and is on the show with us all the way from Tel Aviv, and it's nighttime there. Thank you so much for being on, Josh. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Yes, you might need coffees. I might need whiskey, but I will hold off until after the podcast. I had a rule when I used to do social media posts for um, when I was in an agency that I couldn't have a drink if I still had social posts to schedule for clients because I was I was terrified I would just get a call the next morning like, do you remember what you wrote on their CEO's <laughs> LinkedIn? And I would say no. <laughs> and since then, I've mostly kept to that rule. Well, good. <laughs> I have an opposite rule. So <laughs> only have more drinks before posting on yeah. social media. Yeah. It gives you a fun attitude. It makes you the Wendy's of cybersecurity or whatever. Ah, is that what yeah. the Wendy's social media manager does? I don't okay. think I don't think that's alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Regardless of how you choose to manage or not manage your social posts, thank you, Josh, for being on. We're so excited. You're one of the funniest people in yeah, the. I I'm sitting a bar that. high. You're like a hilarious person to talk to, like so funny. And we're so excited to talk with you today about the incredibly hilarious topic of email marketing. She's just kidding. You're doing stand up comedy for us today. That's oh, yeah. what you're doing. So that's find the plan. Mic. Yeah, well, no, nothing is funnier than email marketing. And and failing at email marketing. And everybody has at least three or four stories where they sent the wrong email to people, the high first names. I think if you haven't sent an email to the wrong list, you haven't, you don't get the right to say you've done email marketing. That should be like a question at interviews. It's like, tell me the time you sent an email to 10,000 people by mistake. And if you haven't done that, you just haven't been in the industry long enough. My gosh, that should be one of those like badges that you should put on, on your LinkedIn profile. Like I've definitely sent an email to the wrong list. I've definitely had the wrong. Yes. I had a typo. So my father who doesn't understand marketing because you know, like he doesn't do it for a living. He subscribed under a fake email to my company's email list, Centra's. And I once got a text message from him. There's a typo in your email. <laughs> and there was, and it was, he spotted it before anybody at the company spotted it, which was pretty funny and also horrifying because now he thinks, you know, I'm not good at my job, but that's okay. <laughs> this is like the bug bounty of marketing. It's like of, of finding typos. Yeah. Like, did you give him a hundred dollars? Yeah. I, I did not give him a hundred dollars, but I do screenshot typos. If I see them in friends things that I know that they're sending out. That I'm subscribed to, I will send it to them and then ask them for money and they also never give it to me. So parents don't understand what we do. My mom listens to our podcast, Maria, as you know, actually, and she loves to send notes. And usually her notes on you are great. And then her notes on me are like, mm. you mumble too much. And what was this? This is turning into and- marketing therapy where we talk about therapy. our 
the insecurities we get from our parents and our marketing. <laughs> Maybe this LinkedIn post will make my dad love me. Oh, my, <laughs> my parents have no idea what I do. They, they just don't understand. No, they, but they even no people, problem. why would they? It's not, uh, the, like, it doesn't make any sense when you describe it to somebody who hasn't done it. It's like, yeah, I send emails to people who don't want them. I write LinkedIn. I write posts for other people, right? I, I write newsletters that uh, I'm happy if 25% of people read or even open. It's a, like, it, it makes zero sense when you describe it logically. Yeah. Where do you get your creativity or your inspiration for certain email campaigns? Talk to us through that process. Well, not just email campaigns, but really any idea. I really like to find what people have been complaining about, um, which is why you have great... Obviously, LinkedIn is great for this because you have no small number of cybersecurity people tell you what they hate about either marketing or campaigns or sales or what they wish existed that doesn't exist. So one campaign we did recently is we had at RSA, we had a, uh, a sages council where people could just meet CISOs privately and talk about whatever they wanted. And that basically came from listening to cybersecurity podcasts and, and videos where people said like, oh, I really like, you know, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. I need help. So we were like, okay, so we'll help you. Obviously, you can't do that with everything. Sometimes you just have to invite people to a webinar and that's the email and that's fine also. I really like playing against what people expect to see in their inbox. When I can be creative with that with subject lines also, that's sometimes fun to do. But that's really what I try to think about is that if I – well, does this email look like every other email that people are sending? I'm not super great about this all the time. Also, sometimes if you're going to do something really against type, maybe it's an internal argument. You got to get people on board. It's not always possible. I definitely have sent out emails that are normal and plain and LinkedIn posts and ads. And you can't do something super creative all the time, but it's always, uh, it's always fun to try. And it's always, sometimes I'll get, I'll get pushed back. If uh, I've had this my entire career where somebody could tell you're just phoning it in. They're like, but you can do something better than this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, I could do something better than this. I don't love getting that feedback because I know it's usually right. If somebody's telling me this is boring, this is, you're, you're better than this. I'm just like, well, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and then, then I then I resent them the rest of the day, and I go do it. <laughs> and then you feel better after. You're like, yeah, he was right. She yeah, was right. I mean, maybe, but I pretend that I'm super grateful for the criticism. What was the most creative thing you've done, Josh, in email? I mean, it's, uh, I'm trying to think now. And you're like, there's none. I I'm saying all this and like, no, no, we no. Talk, we're I talking about creativity, but actually, like. It's all like, hey, join our webinar. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's not all join our webinar. Like sometimes like, you know, I'll put in, I think it's not just, you know, the creativity in the email itself. It's, it's also obviously what the offer is in the email, which is more important than the email itself. But I've tried putting in like new GIFs that I'll create like myself of like, not like the ones that you see, like the same reaction GIFs, but something like really new and different. And then put a, put like a little small, um, like a caption underneath, like, oh, this is probably like. Something that, that, that resonates with, with something that they're doing that's, uh, that's painful. I've also done – oh, I'll tell you the most creative. Sorry. I just remembered it. We did a thing at Isolate. We had this idea. You know what? Everybody sends the like uh, Happy New Year, like Merry Christmas email, December 25th, and zero, but nobody wants it. Everyone's forced to send it because everyone's inbox is covered with Merry Christmas emails. So we sent an email that said, listen, we were forced to send this because it's Christmas and the marketers have to send you an email. However, 
We have a surprise at the end of the email if you keep reading. So we had our regular Merry Christmas. We had everything. At the end of the email, we had an offer uh, that said basically like we know that you hate explaining what you do to your family members. Speaking of explaining what you do to family, right? And we said we also know that Christmas and New Year's is an awkward time to be with family. So if you let us know, we will fake a cyber emergency and call your cell phone at any time of day during the holidays and get you out of whatever family drama you have going on. Stop. That is yeah. genius. We, we literally, we said, just respond, say, give us a time to call. And we did not really expect anybody to answer. We just kind of ex- like hoped that like some people would say like, oh, that's really cute. Right. That was the idea of the email. We did get like two people who were like, call me at 11 like PM on like Christmas Eve. And we were just like, oh my God. Like we really hit the nail on the head with this guy. Like this is so uh, Chris Roberts, who's not a CISO who loves marketing emails, like reshared it on his LinkedIn. It was like, this is hilarious. Thank you for doing this. Like, this is way better than the normal types of things we get. That was easily the most creative thing, but not only because it was like an idea that was different, but also that like our, my CEO at the time was like, yeah, go for it. Like, why not? Like what? Like nobody reads the Merry Christmas emails anyway. And where I got that idea for, for, you know, we were saying like, if you have like family drama, you don't want to deal with, I should really find that email. I had listened to enough CISOs who had said things like, I don't know how to explain to my family what I do. Uh, They all think I'm IT, right? That I just like fix computers. That's like a common thing you'll hear a lot of them say, especially when they have family members who aren't technical at all. And, but they think I'm important, but they don't know why. Right. So that was the thing was like, well, they'll believe you have a cyber emergency. They don't know what a cyber emergency is, but it sounds serious. And we'll call you and get you away from your family drama. And that was uh, that's the email I think I'm the most proud of, uh, except for the one person who responded that made me a little sad. Oh, I don't want to. We don't want to hear about it. Well, that. Well, it was it was kind of I think he wanted to see if we would really call. And I like passed it to my SDR. And I was like, so you need to call this person at this weird time because we promised we would. Did you get, so here's the question that all leadership teams want to know. So what was the ROI of that email campaign? So obviously the ROI of any Christmas newsletter email campaign is zero. <laughs> I think sharing it, because we also shared it on social, right? Um, and we share, and we had the big share from, from, some, from a couple of CISOs who liked and shared it also. So it was definitely what uh, we say when there's no ROI, right? It was awareness. But that's still a lot better than I think any other Christmas. No one's like pulling out their credit card slash sending something to finance to buy anything. You know, no one's like sending something to their their finance department on Christmas Eve. Like uh, the time we sent this email, it was like, well, I got this newsletter and now we have to buy the cybersecurity product. I mean, maybe some of them have budget left over, but hopefully they've gotten that figured out before Christmas. So like, what were we really going to get out of this email? Right. And I think that was what was fun is what we got out of it was a lot of good attention to the brand. A lot of people liking, following, commenting, and I, th- I thought that was, uh, that was kind of fun. So you mentioned GIFs. Do you like emojis in your subject lines? And I have a reason why I'm asking. I don't hate emojis and subject lines. I don't like it when it's like pointless, meaning I don't think every video needs to have a video like old-timey Hollywood like uh, thing in its subject line. And I don't think always about subject lines. If I have something like shocking or uh, something like uh, crazy in the su- like, yeah, I, I won't mind putting in like a head exploding emoji or uh, somebody being like confused. Why? You have a strong opinion one way or the other? 
I love emojis, but um, speaking of like subject lines and being strategic with what you put in them, I once read an article about how this one seesaw has this like auto rule on his inbox that captures any email incoming that has the word white paper ebook in it. And just I've sends heard it, about this. And yes. just sends it to like <laughs> this deep, deep folder that he never opens, which was they, like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to stop. Those type of people don't like, even if you somehow got them past your subject line, the odds that you were going to hook them right away and then they're going to be like, well, I'll make an exception to my zero ebook rule ever. <laughs> might be, might, right? Like might be zero. Like I'm not capable of writing like a, in, like a sentence that says that's so good that a CISO who has never read an ebook in his life is going to now click on it. Like that's just not, I mean, it, yeah, I, I get not writing white paper in the title. On the other hand, I don't know, because I get emails, you know, from all these like marketing vendors. Sometimes if it's, the white paper sounds super interesting or relevant, I will open it even though it says white paper. And I think for me, when I say it's hard for me sometimes to like think that way for CISOs because all I hear and all anybody hears is how much, you know, they're they're over it. Yeah. But I think it's Dude. a mistake. Dude, the thing is, so one, first off, Maria, maybe he was sending it to his, that folder so he could look at them all, you know, on maybe a Friday night and like review the ebooks, all the ebook emails. I, I like your optimism, Gianna, but I don't think that was <laughs> Yeah, he but, prints them all out and then reads them by the fireplace. Oh, on Christmas yeah. Eve. And then he gets a phone On Christmas call. Eve. And then he gets a call with the cyber emergency. <laughs> so... But then too, like, but you're just, I feel like you're leading towards this, Josh. And I feel really strongly about this is like, this is like Pareto principle, 80-20 rule. Like the loudest folks on, I hate emails. I hate white papers. I hate everything that marketing does. That's just like a very small, but vocal segment of the entire population of people that we sell to. So what works not for thee might work for someone else. So like some security folks read emails. Some CISOs read emails. I have my best performing campaign ever was an ebook for, and it was targeted to CISOs and we got tons and tons of downloads for CISOs because the ebook was interesting. So it's not about like, I don't know. Some people, sure. Like you just said, some people don't engage in emails and they never will. And they'll never read white papers ever, yeah, exactly. but like, that's just, they're loud about it. So they sound I, like they're I agree. the majority. I'm like loud about it. I'm not like that's angry fair. At somebody. No, I'm not yeah, mad at shit. <laughs> I'm not mad at anybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm mad if they mark my email spam. How dare they? Just because it's. I mean, I I I get offended personally, and I would never ever help them. You know, with anything if they ever request. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to name names and be like these are the four CISOs who I would never. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have that. That's not a real list. It's a list. It's not, he, it's it's behind him. List. If you're listening on, it's on the whiteboard yeah. behind him. No, I'm it's just on kidding. a whiteboard of just like the, yeah, because CISOs have the, they always write when they get really, a really bad marketing email. They're like, this is my do not buy list. But you never hear a vendor be like, I have a do not sell list. You know, like, that's like, it's not a real thing. It's not a real concept. <laughs> that would be pretty funny though. So like, would be. This, this company is on my do not sell list. I don't care how many, how much they're trying to, how fast they're trying to close. Doesn't matter. Like sorry, like, you don't you don't fit the ideal use case in our ideal. I'm sorry, profile. your money's no good here. <laughs> you once marked an SDR email as spam, and you've been you've been blacklisted from buying. And they're like, and they're like, great. I'm very happy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's not a real thing. 
Um, <laughs> no, I was just trying to make the point, though, that, like, you know, sometimes we get caught up in echo chambers. Of, 100%. Like, email doesn't work and marketing email doesn't work. And then I talk, you know, on this podcast, we talk to all these brilliant marketers, yourself included, who have stories and examples and data that, like, yeah, it has worked for us. And it's just we're not just because you're a security company. It's not a one size fits all on, like, what you need to be doing. And that's all I'm saying. I think we all... Like, yeah, we know that's, that here. That's true. And also, I get into a habit sometimes of, you know, you you do something so many times. You're like, well, isn't everybody sick of this? And it's like, no, nobody has seen that. Like, I'll especially I see this on social media or, uh, or on webinars. It's like, well, we did something similar like four months ago. It's like, nobody remembers. Nobody remembers what you did four months ago. Like, you could do the same thing again. It's not the end of the world. It just feels, I think, as I consider myself like a faux creative type. That, like, I shouldn't be doing that. But, like, you should. Like, if it worked, you should absolutely be doing it. And it's like the feeling when if I'll write an ad and the ad I like the least does the best and you, like, resent it because you're like, but I didn't like that one. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not the point. So what about bringing it back to the basics for email marketing? You know, for years, we were all being fed this idea that sending emails on certain days and certain times of the days is best and optimal for blah, 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 open click rate. What's your philosophy on that? I don't send it on the weekends, but like, I'm not going to send something on a Saturday afternoon. Short of that, I don't pay too much attention to it. I just think it's so overblown and the data is so, I mean... I like I don't know. I think in my head sometimes I'm like, well, if they're coming back from lunch, like the average person finishes lunch at one o'clock and they take a 15 minutes to get back to the office and then they procrastinate. Like I do that. I do that when I schedule the emails for sure. But I don't really like I don't look at the latest data and like we're like, well, we can't send it. It's a it's a Wednesday. Nobody reads emails on Wednesdays. I've never I don't know. I've never like really felt that that made a huge difference. It always seemed to be about the subject line, the the content. That always seemed to matter so much more. To the point where it's not like I would even be able to test it and really tell you unless I did the same email at different days of the week consistently for thousands of people. Like when, like I don't, like I would just assume it was a different email and that's why the email did worse. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for A-B testing. Get it. You have time to send once. It's done. A-B testing. I mean, yeah, obviously there's, there's a, there is a place for it, but not, I'm not going to, I'm going to A-B test my subject lines. I'll A-B test some content maybe, but I'm not going to A-B test like the, the day and whether sending it, you know, 20 minutes before lunch or during their coffee break is going to, like, I don't, I'm, that's not the type of A-B testing I've ever done. True. Maybe I'm Plus, wrong. I don't know. Maybe somebody's going to write in, uh, like, I'm going to get a Slack message in the <laughs> marketing group telling me I'm an idiot <laughs> and this is costing my company millions of dollars and I'll feel bad. Just whoever says that, just know I'll feel bad. Plus, if the data is saying, don't send on Wednesday and Friday, then everybody is sending on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's also <laughs> a good Wednesday point. And Friday is a, kind of like an empty inbox day. That's when I would want to send my emails. <laughs> I know. That, and then that flips too much to the other side. And now people are only sending on Wednesday and Friday. Like, I'm just not, I'm not up to date on this type of research. Maybe I should be, but it feels like there are other things I should be more up to date. Like that's not where I'm starting. I send all my emails at one in the morning on Saturdays. Ah, well, and because their inbox is empty. Exactly. Genius. And they're in yeah. a great mood usually. I That's when I tell the SDRs to cold call. <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know what? If their phone rings, 
they're going to answer to one in the morning, probably. So yeah. my logic you double is double tap it too. You know, <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah, pick yeah. up. Just keep, triple, just keep going. Just keep going till they answer. And yeah, that's obviously the move. I mean, if you catch me on a, like a, like on a Friday happy hour, Friday, like 6 p.m., and maybe it's like a text and then like a quick call, I would take it. Yeah, Maria? I don't think there's... <laughs> I you swear. are nice. You're a nice person. Yeah, I would take it. And I'll just be like, yeah, that sounds cool. Send me something email. I'll check it out. And I would check it out. Like if, it, if it's pleasant, if they acknowledge like, hey, listen, I know you're probably on your second mezcal margarita and having a great time. But hey, I know you're also thinking about your ROI of all of your digital marketing. <laughs> what if? I know you can't relax on the weekends because you're worried about ROI. Oh, hold on. Sorry. I have a phone call on my computer. Turn that off. That was oh. super unprofessional. See? See? Yeah. They're, they're calling oh, you during... Uh... I'm pretty sure that's just my family assuming that I'm going to answer. But you should take the call, call twice, live on our podcast. No, no. Take the call. If, take it. If they, if they call twice, I assume it's a vendor and that I definitely don't answer. Just you should totally take a vendor call during our podcast. That would be really cool. And we can all just listen in and see what's yeah, But my vendor calls are always like companies that want to give me loans that I didn't ask for. Oh, <laughs> and, no, <laughs> never mind. That's, it. That's, that's like the major like uh, spam calls in, in television, at least in my experience. That's hilarious. People are always yeah. trying to buy my house also. I get like uh, well. a phone call every couple hours. <laughs> trying to buy your house? Yeah. You should get you should arrange a Zoom call with all the people who have called you. Oh, and have an auction. <laughs> yeah. Have a live auction that's not binding at all. But just see like what do you guys what do you guys think? And then see what the number is and uh, oh what's the point out. That's brilliant. We could totally do that from like back to marketing. We could totally do that. All of the vendors. Oh, I thought this was a real estate podcast. I no. sorry, I got I've been I've been misinformed. <laughs> what the hell, Josh? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, because I'm just saying the interest rates. Sorry, yeah, continue. <laughs> well, interest rates, CPL, we should call yeah. all of the vendors that do content syndication and claim that they have the lowest CPL. We should have them all on one call. No, and I should talk. The lead vendors and the content syndication, I should tell them that there's just been inflation. And, you know, five leads are not worth what they used to be. Why attend Cyber Marketing Con 2023 in downtown Austin, Texas this year from December 10th through 13th? Well, there's going to be keynotes, panels, and workshops from real marketers working in the cybersecurity industry right now. From companies like Recorded Future, Google, Eureka Cyber, NetSpy, and plenty more. Plus, we'll have the best connections and networking of your career. Get your ticket before the pricing goes up on October 1st. Check out more about the conference at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com backslash conference 2023. Can't wait to see you there. Are you getting content syndication leads? Talking, just tying it back to email. Like, how are you warming those lists up after you get them? I mean, they're a little tiny, minuscule bit warm. I mean, I haven't used content syndication leads in, it's, uh, the last time I used it, it was not a successful endeavor, even though we tried to warm them up. I don't like. I haven't done it enough times to say that you know I would never ever try it again. Um, but from my ex- experience, you try and warm up with a couple of emails, and then or maybe get an SDR to call, and they don't. They have zero idea what they read, 
because why would they remember? And then it's like if we got a call for like an article we read somewhere on TechCrunch and then somebody called you a week later. I was like, but I sent you emails and now I'm calling you about that article you read on TechCrunch. You'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that seems to have been, that was the experience I had. Again, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't want to poo-poo all, all content syndication. And then, you know, we tell the content syndication company that like, hey, they don't remember reading anything on your site. Are you sure they read it? And they were like, well, you have to warm them up first. So I was like, but we did warm them up first. And then, uh, and then we just kind of went in circles. But I'm sure, I'm sure there's different ways to do it. Again, like not, not something. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. That, I, I'm nervous. I don't want no. I don't want to like blacklist all content syndication people that right. I use. But uh, that was that was my experience. Like I don't understand. Like I did send them emails and we did call them and we sent them more things. Like well, they need to be nurtured longer. It's like how much longer? How many emails? Like, fine, they'll live in the CRM forever until they're ready to call. But uh, you could do that without the content. Right. Like, you could do that on Zoom Info. Like, exactly. Like, if I was just going to export, uh, you know, 10,000 people and send them emails till they unsubscribe or book a demo, I didn't need <laughs> the content syndication. That's like, that was the, that's what I noticed. At or least. they leave their job. Or they leave their job. And then you and get then, the email saying, so-and-so is no longer with us. And it's like, well, do you want to buy? <laughs> it's like, nobody ever sends that email back. It's like, I'm so sorry. We were so close. <laughs> I hope all is well. Regards to the family. Congrats. Congrats. I'm, I'm getting his job. Yeah, did and you get now, a promotion? Yeah, I hope you got a promotion. Now you're here. Let's uh, let's book a time. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, probably now you have to do the work of two people. This so, is 100 percent why I'm not an SDR, by the way, because I would give in to the temptation to send these obnoxious emails and just be like, I was experimenting. But you can't really do that when you're sending it to the whole database because somebody's got to approve it or whatever. It's not oh. like SDRs have to. You know, I would totally just send ridiculous emails. Oh, me too. Do SDRs pour into marketing in, in your company now? or, or is it They sales? don't. They don't. They report into sales. But I sit in the same room with them and like lean over their shoulder and, you know, I'm very annoying about where's, why is my lead not being nurtured uh, mm. over Slack. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what you have to do, I sit in the same room with them. I make threats, you know, but you try and do it in a jokey way like, haha, I'm kidding, but I'm not. Send them an email. <laughs> Qualify the lead. <laughs> you're you're yeah. in the hospital. Haha. <laughs> pick up the phone. You're dying. Like, no oh, I'm sorry. You couldn't. There was something about your emergency that stopped you from qualifying the lead because you could have just moved it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I say these things half joking. Half. <laughs> you didn't call them at 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I you were with your family <laughs> or asleep. I don't, or asleep. I mean, you could call whoever you want on Christmas Eve. And I don't see why you just decided to take it easy because no one's working. Because <laughs> we have the day off. <laughs> Not that's you. The, that's the, that's the Euro, people who sell to Europe, right? Always in August. They're like, well, nobody in Europe works in August. And then anybody who's American or grew up in America is like, I don't understand what that means. Like, yeah. What do you mean they're not working in August? No, the whole month. You can't. The whole can't. month. You're like, well, we can't do anything because no one's working. I was like, you're not working. Everybody else. <laughs> America so, is at work. What's it like so, in Israel in August? Do people also like do the European so, thing? Not ish because there is it's still working time, but basically all parents use their vacation because there's mm. a couple of weeks where there's a, no school and no camps and the parents all freak out. I'm not a parent, so I just watch this very amusedly. Like I'll watch <laughs> the, the slow dread as you get closer to August and then the total panic and just like either they're using all their vacation days or – it's just, it's a disaster. 
<laughs> and then September 1st comes and it's like the happiest day you've ever seen in your whole life. Everybody comes back in just floating, all the parents, because everyone's back in school. I'm laughing hard because I have two kids and I totally get that. I just, I've just been watching the same thing play out in Israel for every year since I've worked here. And it's been like, oh, it's 10 years now I've been working here. <laughs> and uh, it's the same situation every, uh, every summer. But people still work in the States. I know people work in the States. And I'll send emails in August too. I don't care. I'm like, so the French people will read it when they get back in October for their two weeks of work before they go on Christmas <laughs> break. Like, I love fine. the French people. <laughs> But that's it's 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 entertaining when you're trying to like excuse me for the also if you hear the lawnmower in the background but it's entertaining when you're trying to it's not entertaining when you're trying to close a deal and it's like the French people and the European people are like oh yeah we'll get it done before I go on my like holiday and then it like never gets done by then and yeah. then well, they're here, like we'll see you in yeah. three months you know <laughs> also the Israeli holidays are usually in October end of September. So mm-hmm. that's also a thing. People disappear, but they're they're checking their phones. Like yeah. everyone's checking their phones. It's not yeah. this. Uh, nobody leaves work. Work. Yeah. Here's a real strategy for anyone who works at a global company. So holiday parity, right? So like parity, like equality. Equality. Um, yeah. So at Votero. I'm not full-time there anymore, but I'm totally going to brag about this. Their HR department is lovely. And uh, they instituted a, hey, Israel, we have, you know, so we have an office in Israel, uh, Singapore, Australia, the U.S. It's like Israel has the most holidays, (laughs) like a lot more than the U.S. And even Singapore has more holidays than the U.S. And the U.S. is sad. So now we get random Fridays off, like quite often yeah it's it's personal benefit days so you get to take off that day because your your colleagues have all these days off for their for their country's holidays and you don't have any because what do we celebrate here like christmas eve and christmas and like one day for thanksgiving yeah seriously like Mm -hmm. you know all the other ones like president's day and all those things it's like it's always a big mark on you're not like a federal you're not a federal employee you're yeah, not a, you're not a, you're not working for the postal service. It's not yeah. uh because they do get enough holidays. I think because they get Columbus Day. I'm pretty sure, and or Indigenous Peoples Day, whichever way it is. And it's just yeah. like they uh, they and you forget in America because that's a thing that international people have to worry about when they send emails to the states is the random holidays that mm-hmm. like people will take a long weekend on. Yeah, because I forget that when I'm here. Yeah. I've sent emails on you know. President's Day, Martin Luther King. Like, I've forgotten. Like, that's a thing that, like, I need to put in my calendar yeah. to make sure. But back to the French, though. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> back to back how to the French the- don't work hard enough. Yes. Because you, you mentioned earlier, like, oh, I will we'll calculate how long it takes for people to come back from lunch. I feel like the French either never come back from lunch or take a three-hour lunch. <laughs> so That also might be a thing. Um, I really I have a half French coworker who's going to listen to this, and I just want you to know, Roni, I'm not. We're none of us. None of this is about much you. Love. It's about your people. It's, it's about love, your people. It's about your people. It's not about yeah. And bonjour, <laughs> also yeah. bonjour, wee yeah. wee. Oui, oui. <laughs> no, but I've noticed a lot of the uh, a lot of people who have read. Speak going back to the thing you said about uh, timing emails. Every you know the classic thing is that everybody in the company has opinion about marketing. Um, so I will get those questions from non marketers a lot. Like, do you think we should, should I publish this now? I'm publishing a job posting thing on LinkedIn or I'm sending an email. What's the, what's the latest research? And I'm just, I don't, I don't have the latest research because I haven't thought about this since I, I really needed an answer. So I'll, 
I'll just say, you know, two o'clock is great. Everybody loves a two o'clock <laughs> like email. And then they just nod and walk away. They're like, yeah, marketing says two o'clock. But they are not listening to this for sure. So because they're developers, not because it's not a great podcast. <laughs> it's not. Well, we'd love to have some developers on in the future. And so we could also talk about emails with them, which would also be a very funny podcast. But that's nice that you're that marketing is an authority figure on this sort of thing, too. And they're not. Not after like, they hear my confession that I'm <laughs> lying to them. <laughs> So, you know, on the topic of benchmarks, I've always heard that it's best to benchmark against yourself with emails. Yes, we had Christopher, I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, we had Christopher Mitchell on. We'll include the link to that episode. It was from a while ago in the podcast uh, show notes. And he also talked about, you know, benchmarking against yourself. Like, what? I don't know where this is going because we were having so much fun laughing about the French and about holidays <laughs> that I, <laughs> this, like, they serious question. They don't, they don't pay attention to it. No, but I, I'm with you on the benchmarking against yourself. I, If I have a webinar and then the next webinar does 25% better but it's still less than we wanted or less than I thought the benchmark should be for a webinar of this type, I'm still – you know, the numbers that matter are the ones that are going up if up is good, which in this case would be, um, not bounce rates. <laughs> but I'm a big believer in that. And when you could, it's really easy to use things on like all the marketing automation tools and, and LinkedIn and all those channels show you, you know, the trend lines. Line goes up, I'm happy. I could justify it. If line stay flat or goes down, it's bad. Like it's not, uh, I, I, I love the benchmarking against yourself. I think it's the only sane way to do it because no other company you'll read that marketing emails are supposed to have this amount of open rates or click rates yeah but i'm not apple or microsoft i'm sure their marketing emails you know have they have a different type of uh like email sequence they have scientists who build emails and labs and test it on people before they send like it's a different thing yeah like they're gonna do better i get a lot of salesforce emails and all of them say, alert, something is changing soon. And I open them 100% of the time. <laughs> are, are these being included in the benchmark reports? Because they shouldn't be. They're not marketing emails. Right. But they might, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I can't, I can't benchmark my emails against that. That's insane. Unless I put something in a subject line, you know, warning, if you don't buy our product, there yeah. something bad will happen. But I'm not going to do that because I don't want to end up uh, publicly shamed on the social media. <laughs> but you know what? I feel like the biggest mistakes that companies make, no matter the size, is just not being strict enough with emailing only the people that have opted in to be, you know, emailed to or at. And that that's it. It's I think it's as simple as that. That's the recipe. Just and then also if they haven't opened an email in the last ninety days, just don't include them in the list. It's only gonna hurt your metrics after. I don't understand why that's like such a and I and I'm talking from like personal experience across many jobs. There's like this yeah. fear of deleting unengaged contacts or like excluding, you know I know. Like somebody whose email hasn't worked in four years is gonna like log back in and and, and open the email and click on and book a demo and if we delete them now well we'll never know we have nothing to lose by keeping this useless email in our database right yeah um, but you do because maria what you're saying, talking about is like infrastructure and like send quality right like if you don't have good open rates then you actually affect the sending quality of your exact sends yeah hubspot's really good about this with their don't send to unengaged contacts that yeah. makes it super easy i love yeah. that button 
Yes, click on click. We actually happen to have amazing open and click rate on the society oh, email marketing front. Mm-hmm. I'm going to boast for sure because we really do. Like we have separate subscriptions for certain things and so if you're just if you just want the newsletter, you don't want the jobs one, that's fine and we are very good with that and we're seeing amazing results and I think that can definitely be replicable in any other business. And you totally get your audience or you hang out with your audience all the time, right? right? That's the, uh, it's much easier to, this is one of the challenges I have to write emails or posts or ads or anything is I don't, I don't hang out enough with the my target audience. And it's hard. If I had 40 CISO friends who I was in a WhatsApp group with all the time, and I could just, if I had a month to just spy in their like secret Slack groups that they have, I'm sure my email open rates would go way up. That's true. But there's, you know, they don't want me in there because I'm not cool enough and I don't, <laughs> and I'm going to try and sell them things. Well, you're so, cool enough for us, Josh. You're on our podcast. You're part of there our community. Yeah. And there's a little bit of public spying you can do on like Reddit and LinkedIn and a couple of places, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough to Reddit's get connected. Hard. I don't like, I'm not a Reddit expert at all. I'm an expert at getting thrown out of subreddits. <laughs> Have, have either of you cracked like the Reddit marketing? No, um, but we have a few people that have done quite a bit of Reddit ads. I think what was it, Andy that presented a couple yeah. of years ago on it? Not ads though. He was doing like organic stuff, which oh, was really okay, cool. Okay. And then yeah, this I know year's people conference. Who do that. It's magic to me. It's total like just black magic. These people can go into Reddit and they're like, I got a thousand upvotes on this uh, article. I'm like, how? What? What? Like, what did you do? I no think there's a formula. There. It's being funny and being fast. That'll get you a yeah. lot. If you could be the first reply and everyone sees it and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, and like up, <laughs> clicks like the little thumbs up. <laughs> I know, but you have to like live in the platform and there's like a language to it. Mm-hmm. And if if you if you use proper capitalization, they'll know you're a marketer and throw you out of the group. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I've been on Reddit for like 15 years or something. They like give you like a – they tell you on your account like wow. happy anniversary. But yeah, it's it's definitely can be like a vicious place, and I could. It's interesting. You could always go there and lurk, though, and learn a lot just from. I feel like if LinkedIn was anonymous, this is what it would actually look like. If it wasn't a professional network, it was just people just talking about things they hate in their industry, but not professionally. They didn't have to like pretend. This is what it would. There should be like a chat GPT like plugin where it's like, what did they, what does this really mean? Like, what did they really rewrite this as a, as a, as an angry Reddit post? Uh, as per my last email. <laughs> as per my last email. So exactly. Maria, before we go into our game, I actually wanted to ask you, what was the most creative email you ever sent? Ooh. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of email marketing in my days. That's kind of how I started in and went into marketing ops and then now demand gen. I love doing email marketing, but it, like like I said earlier, it's very stressful. Like before you hit send, you look at the thing like a million times, you show your family and friends and colleagues and neighbors, <laughs> and then still you find a typo. But there are a couple of things that I uh, experimented with and found really good successes kind of doing post-content download email nurture. And so if we have like an ebook or a white paper that goes through, I don't know, whatever, five, type 10, cybersecurity, best practices for whatever, I'll take everything in that ebook or white paper and distill it into like a five-step email nurture track. And each step will help you apply what you learn in the ebook 
in your Ooh. strategy or your job, like in actionable things. Well, and then, I'm stealing this tomorrow. Right? You should totally steal it. And I could totally 100%. show you what I have. Um, and then what you do is you create that journey and you let them know this is a five-step blah, blah, blah. And then you make it very visible in the graphics too, like in the banner. Step one, this is what you do. Step two. And then at the end of the email, you say, up next, we're going to cover this so that you keep them, you know, keep the suspense. And then for one of them, I actually gave like a certificate of completion at the end. And I asked them to share it on LinkedIn, like, congrats, you just passed your crash course on blah, 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 five steps into, and then, you know, give them the certificate. This is great because I actually struggle a lot with the nurture flows. I mean, keeping them, keeping a theme throughout all of them that isn't, I'm looking for an excuse to talk to you. Cause that's always, that always feels to me, at least that's the subtext of my nurture emails is just, well, I have your email now and I'm going to use it. So yeah. I think I love that idea of the five ways to use whatever, it, however it is you got into our database, making it useful. That's awesome. Yeah. And they expect it, right? It's not unexpected. And it goes back to something they were interested in because they downloaded the piece of content and you'll see much better opening click rates and engagement across the whole nurture track. Amazing. And all that great goodwill too, that we were talking about earlier, right? Like, Hey, this was actually useful. Like I, something, an enjoyable email experience, right? Yeah. 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 Josh, actually, before we get into our game, which we'll get to in one second, do you have anything you'd like to say? About the Cybersecurity Marketing Society. <laughs> I love the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, but I feel like everyone says that. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, everyone <laughs> says that. It's, it's great. Um, no, I, first of all, the Cybersecurity Marketing Society has already saved my company money just in the Slack from me poking around to seeing what people say about other vendors and, and reviews of events and things. I mean, what works, what doesn't work, it's the greatest resource to the point where I will say out loud, well, I have to go check the Slack group and see what's going on before I commit to anything. Love I've that. Done that. Oh my gosh. Both yeah. our eyes so, lit up when you said that, Josh. Yeah. yeah. I've, I'm, I'm not going to, I've, I, this, this seems sketchy. I'm going to go find out and I'll, I won't even have to ask because somebody's already asked. Like that's how much like content is there. Um, I will search whatever it is I wanted. I'll find it. I'll screenshot it and send it to somebody and be like, yes, no, or uh, I trust this person. I don't trust this person, meaning the the thing we're looking at, not the people in the group. I trust the people in the group. It's really a great resource. And I know that other people use it. I recommend it to people. I force people in my company to join. So if anybody hasn't joined, but they're listening to this, it would be weird if anyone was listening this far into the podcast and is like, yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. There's a Slack group. Join the Slack group. It's great. Anyway. Thank so you. So the theme is Josh threatens his SDRs and forces everyone in his company to join a community. I, th I threaten the SDRs and I force marketers to join the community. Yes, that is right. That is that's basically my marketing strategy. <laughs> it's on a one-page document, like in the planning folder in your drive or whatever. It's like it's just like, my did you things. do this? Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to play a quick round of our game. Our game is we are going to guess what you would be doing if you were not in cybersecurity marketing or marketing. Ooh. And I'm going to go first because I'm going to win today. I think you would be a stand-up comedian or a comedy uh. writer. Maria. Oh, uh, gosh. Um, I stole it. I know you, you, you mentioned stand-up earlier. No, <laughs> I just yeah, took it. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Okay. I realized that we could totally name our game. Uh, like an actual name, like what would so-and-so do? 
But then since we have Josh on, like the acronym would literally be WWJD. <laughs> it's a question I often ask myself. <laughs> so, yeah, you see where like my brain goes. It's very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh, this is hard. You could Neither be did my high school counselor. <laughs> it sounds like sounds like your high school counselor. Um, I don't know. I feel like you have the personality that could literally fit in any industry, and you would do really well. Um, sure, so I that, appreciate that. That's what makes this my it favorite. Really hard. This is my favorite part of the podcast, by the way. I just want oh. to say that right now. Ooh. This is this is great. This is oh, the only God. part I'm clipping. I'm clipping and sending to my family. Gosh, so this is like going to be a lot of pressure to make sure I guess right. I think you would be probably the coolest elementary school teacher ever. And I could totally see you doing like something complex, like math or science, but like the kids will love you because you are like so cool and you make science and math learning so cool. And the parents love him. If only you knew how bad I was in math. Maybe Mm. I'm getting all my open rates wrong because I don't remember how decimals work. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, oh no, it's 0.7? I thought it was, oh boy. I get, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, I always thought that I would be um, some sort of like I really like going to historical parks in the states mm. and the tour guides who have the same <gasps> jokes that they've been using for forty that. years. I love those guys. Those guys who just they're wearing the same uniform since nineteen seventy five. You know they get the same laugh at the same rehearsed joke that they haven't changed in forever. Those guys are my heroes. I love those guys. I would want to be one of those for sure. Uh, I was so going to say something about travel. Crap. Okay. So who won? Because it combines my like comedy writing and then Maria like teaching and educating. Well, you, and You see how diplomatic that was? You could both claim victory. Uh, Yay. Josh, this is, what, this is what would Jesus do? <laughs> I like to distribute the credit equally to all. <laughs> Thank you so much, Josh. Where can people find you if they want to follow up with you about any of the – any of the topics we talked about today. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Josh Feigenbaum. It's spelled, you know, like the way you spell Feigenbaum. No, it's F-E-I-G-N-B-A-U-M. You can follow Centra, uh, where I occasionally share memes still uh, from the company page. Once a week, I try not to go overboard on the company memes. Uh, you could subscribe to Centra's emails, and I'll send you a personal. If you write, how did you hear about us on the podcast, I will send you a personal email and not the automatic one. So that's a big that's a wow. big incentive wow. to, to add yourself to a database. If you so if you fill out the form and then mark me as spam, we are not friends, though. Don't do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I heard somebody talking like this, that's what I would do as a joke. Oh, one of my shit. friends was like recommend – if one of my friends was like subscribed to my email, I would unsubscribe immediately as a joke. But anyway, don't do that. Cut that out of the fuck. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> giving people terrible ideas on how to troll me. All right. And, no, of course, I am in the Cybersecurity Marketing Society uh, Slack. It's great. Um, message me there. Um, I'll try and go back. To, I used to post uh, memes and GIFs there, so I will try and get back to doing more of that. I took a vacation in April, so I'm back now. Yeah, come back. Awesome. We need more memes. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for joining us today. Uh, all the way from Tel Aviv. We appreciate it. We realize it's late there. I hope you had as much fun as we did being on our show. And for great. our listeners, thank you. And for our listeners, remember a hot new episode drops every Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get alerted and give us a hundred stars if you can. 
on Spotify and all the podcast platforms because we're awesome. And see you next time. Thanks for listening.